This is Feed, Play, Love, a podcast especially for the parents and carers of small children. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. Over the years, I've spoken to some really interesting people about parenting, and this next interview is one from our collection. I hope you enjoy it. What does it take to raise a boy well? I'm sure there are so many things that are similar to girls. I have a girl and a boy, and there's stacks of things that I would do the same for both of them. But you know what? I know that they are fundamentally different in some ways. So what do we need to be aware of as parents? Maggie Dent is the mother of four boys, now men, and a parenting educator. She has more than a few ideas on how we can raise our boys to be empathetic, resilient, and happy young men. I spoke to her recently when she was in town and began by asking her for her top tips on raising boys. This is a big question, isn't that? Because I could do 20. However, I'm going to cut through to the biggies. Um, the first one, and this really is, it comes from a lot of Steve Biddulph's work, which was I'm glad I read early, was how incredibly important it is um, for that loving bond of relationships that boys, the more secure they feel that you are holding them in their heart, whether it's mums, dads, carers, aunts, uncles, grandparents, something really big happens in a boy, whereas girls, they know that sometimes we might growl at them and, yeah, they know we still love them, but boys often have this fragility around feeling loved when they've made mistakes. So really important, and that's why I encourage the building little love bridges and little things that boys notice to make them feel, I matter, because they have this inner part of them that often judges themselves really harshly that we don't even know they're doing. And that's, um, I mean, we're talking about young boys mm. as well. So this is stuff that you talk yeah. about for even the under sixes. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, like sometimes when mums tweak a few of the things that they're doing, um, little boys find their mummies so much safer and they're more loving towards them. And they think, gosh, that wasn't big. Well, it's big in a little boy's eyes. And that comes down to you're talking about doing uh, bridges of connection. Mm. Is that also about language and how we talk to boys? That's the second thing, and that is that um, most of us mummies have got girl code, which is a bit like speaking French, and boys and men have a different code, which we all get frustrated with at times. But what we, when we really understand how they process information and that they are incredibly more forgetful than us girls. We make allowances from a loving space rather than a, oh, God, he's never listening to me. What's wrong with him? <laughs> Do you know, we immediately assume there's an intention to be disrespectful, rude and forgetful. And when you tweak that and reframe it and also know that at times they really can only single focus and not as good at multifocusing and they're not good with change, um, and you make slight changes, the same sort of thing happens again, is that they feel so much safer in their world. So feeling understood, and, you know, it's a bit like when, when we want to interrogate them after school. It's the worst time of day to try and interrogate a boy. You know, he's just come back from the war. <laughs> <laughs> he's exhausted. And I think when we realise that one can be just more loving and not so... Because we want to know everything every second. Just allow them to come when they're ready, which is probably bath time. And when it comes to the language we use, can you give us any examples of how, um, well, of good communication with boys, mm -hmm. of language we might use when we're talking to them? Well, that's the really big problem, really, because boys are a lot later and girls are actually developing um, language because they develop often more a right brain than left brain, which is the left brain has linguistics and language. So... 
they often don't have the words. So when they're frustrated, they often default to anger and we get cross because they're angry. Um, and sometimes that's frustration because they can't communicate with us. So if we keep it in mind that there is actually significant research showing that boys are later to pick up language and even by four, they can be still struggling to put those full sentences together. And that sometimes I might need to be able to sit with them and I might need to use a few more hand gestures to let them know I need them to come to me or I might need them to sit down or I might need them because they pick up visually actually probably quicker than girls. So really the tweaking is if us, if us beautiful mummies could use a lot less words and a lot more clarity of our, of our intentions um, and not call out to them in the other room because there's no way they even know you're talking to them. And when we tweak those things around and also that they um, are very sensitive to mum's facial expressions probably more than what mum says sometimes. Do you know they pick up the rolled eye, they pick up the sigh of frustration. And there is a sensitivity around those things, and that goes back to that first one. If mummy growls at me, I think she stopped loving me. Maggie, I've noticed in my son, he's only two and a half, he loves hanging out with the big boys, and I know that he loves getting rough and playing with them like that. I'm not quite sure how to deal with his aggression at two and a half and teach him that it's okay to have a bit of fun, but still be respectful, and especially with his sister. Um, how do you talk to a young boy like that? Your challenge is that they've got little cave hunters, really, mammoth hunters as I call them, that are biologically wired to be very physical and they've got a, a larger amygdala and they've also got more testosterone, so they're actually wired to be more physically active. And in that, that, that rough and tumble, is what we call it, it's also a game. So every now and then it hurts and they're not really good at judging it because that takes reflection. So I always reckon a really good idea, actually with girls and boys, is to have three main rules in your family. is One, try not to hurt yourself. Two, try not to hurt others. And three, try not to damage things. <laughs> nice you know, one. I just keep it nice and simple. So that's why we don't throw toys because we could damage things or we could hurt people. So we keep it as simple as possible because I won't remember any more than that. Um, but with the older children, you've got to remember that children are biologically wired to learn from older children. I, th I just think of my third and fourth sons, why they kind of learnt as much. I was chasing two older brothers constantly. Um, I do think the rough and tumble does need dad. Um, I mean, if off the little mums can do rough and tumble too, but I got a nasty carpet burn <laughs> when one was about eight, so I stopped. Um, so in the, in the rough and tumble every now and then we need the, oh, no, too hard. So they do need some guidance around that. Um, it'd be great if they had some cousins around, but you wouldn't do siblings because, of course, that's not what they're going to do. So, again, they do need some guidance, but to see that it's actually quite a normal thing provided those three rules. And I have read that boys get a testosterone surge at four. Is it true that that happens? And if so, how do you deal with it? Okay, so there's surges at different times. Um, some children get them at three and a half. Yep, around, <laughs> around four is a biggie and around ten is another biggie and around fourteen is another biggie. So they do tend to have these surges. We often find around growth spurts is often a bit of a surge. Um, I just think I'd forget they have them and treat them the same as I would a child without them which means the same sense boys respond really well to, um, to structure and guidance I think because when they get those surges there's this big about excess energy I think 
I always saw it as that's a time where I have to f really be mindful of keeping them as physically active in large space areas. So I took them to the beach for hours after school or I took them to parks or I took them to... Because I realised there was this incredible surging of energy that if I could get it invested into something that they loved doing, what wasn't inside the house, um, I, I would have a much calmer boy when I came home later and also his brothers would like him a bit better too. So I actually took it that there were times that I needed to take some choices to be able to take them to an environment. Fortunately I did have a reasonably large size yard but I, you know it, it's really tricky especially in Sydney with you know, you know small apartments. You basically have to burn the gunk out of those boys until that really settles again. It's a really powerful high energy thing or you need to give them tasks that are so exciting that they'll like sit for hours in your shed and put balsa wood together with glue. But if they've got a project so it's not just aggression it's actually having high energy that needs to be channeled into something so um all of those things are possibilities but please try not to look at it like oh god the fearsome falls are, oh god the team years are coming because then we set it up as a dread and um and the, the bottom line under all of it is the lighter and the the, the more fun your home environment can be the, the less you have those sorts of moments do you have any other tips for parents when they're thinking about their boys? Any other things that we should remember, especially mm. when they're young? I think the bottom line is to keep the paradox in mind that little girls um, are incredibly less strong physically, but much stronger psychologically, and that boys have the strong physical bodies and are more fragile and psychologically and I think if you keep that in mind it kind of evens out that both of them have a slightly different tendency and that um, every single child just wants to be loved and accepted as they are and that when they make mistakes which all children are biologically wired to make that's developmentally completely appropriate we shouldn't see it as bad or wrong we should just see it as a poor choice and that that's the nature of childhood so I think the bottom line is to say okay am I coming from a place where I expect too much my five four-year-old three-year-old son and also am I shaming them because I think they're tough because we tend to speak more toughly to boys and so once we tweak that a little bit you tend to find there's a lot less of the anger which comes from feeling wrong and bad all the time because that's often what we would say those things to and it's a particular challenge for dads who've had a very strong shaming based growly ass dad oh gosh I said that on radio but um because they actually want to be better dads, but they're not quite sure how to do it because that's all they saw. So again, it's having those beautiful conversations with us around the table saying, you know, my dad was really tough and really hard, so sometimes I'm going to get growly and I, I want you to help me because that's not the dad he wants to be and it's not the dad the boys want, you know. And I think sometimes old patterns and old habits that we've had from our own childhood tend to come up and lurk around. So that's part of the passion why I have the work I do because quite often after the... You know, the boys, boys, boys seminars, I have these amazing heartfelt emails from dads who've just got all these great things they go home and do immediately to be a more loving dad, and it just makes my heart melt. Maggie, thank you so much for Thanks your time. again. Cheers. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, Email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.